Hello and welcome to Daddy Issues. I'm here today with the king of the bourgeoisie, David Bryan. I haven't told you about this, David, but I've done something special for you today. <laughs> I, I feel a little bit insulted, but I'm not No, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why, why that is today, ladies and gentlemen. Because as the hard working class man that I am, I was insulted to message Dave, like, are you ready to record? And Dave says, sorry, I was napping. <laughs> napping. Napping. Like, that's an ordinary thing that people do. So today, for you, David, what I've done is I have changed out of my relaxing home clothes that I work in like a working person and I put on trousers I'm wearing actual trousers so I can put on my <laughs> my suspenders that I've had ready to go like a working person wait this is all a visual joke for an auditory then I've got my working my working really man's for me yeah my working man's cap and I'm gonna wear my sunglasses because I, Dominic Archer, father of the revolution, am here to take down your oh, I was napping act. <laughs> you look like you should be a member of like a Dexy's Midnight Runners revival. That, that's pretty much the plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of digging this vibe. Uh, it's like suspenders. It's a good look. Like they're my steampunk glasses that I really like. Flat, flat peak cap. I'm wearing my Chromio in support of Beirut. Uh, t-shirt all funds go to helping Beirut recover from the uh, the horrible explosion last year oh and I'm wearing I'm wearing trousers Dave look, look. proper suit trousers are they yeah. checked or is that a tartan yeah and don't look at my butt as well well you, all I can see is your butt so you don't tell me not to look at your butt yeah it's pretty good <laughs> well, well I appreciate all your effort you put in to that little visual that uh, exploration you just took me on well to be honest Dave I was so upset at the idea that someone could spend their days asleep as if that's not what the night is for what what was going on with you why were you uh, why were you napping away today some days you just need a nap like there is there's nothing else that you're you can do but close your eyes for 10 minutes and just rejuvenate, hit reset, and when I woke up, I felt great. So it's just, I think, I think napping is is a standard thing, or, or maybe it's just when you get to my age, Dom. <laughs> the old man. Your body you can't are. quite make it more than seven hours before you need to have another sleep. Mm, I feel like we need to take a photo of this moment to 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 put on the podcast. But my my, <laughs> are you recording on your phone? I am, yeah, but oh. I can also just go oh, can you? print can you? screen. Oh, nice. <laughs> Uh, but you want me to take a picture? I'll yes. take a picture. Hold no, on. I'll I'll, do, I'll give the revolutionary fingers that are necessary. All right, I'm going to full screen you. Okay. There we go. Ready? Hold that pose. Bam. Nice. Wait. One and one landscape. Oh, okay. But a bam? Is it bammed? There we go. Bam. There we go. And hopefully Preserved some of this actual photo taken might be edited out. However, those photos should probably be there. So, <laughs> hello and welcome to Daddy Issues, the podcast where we talk about father and son relationships in popular culture. My name is Dominic, father of the revolution, Archer, and with me, as always, is David, king of the bourgeoisie, Brian. These are now also our wrestling names. I should, <laughs> I should let you know. Ladies and gentlemen, king of the bourgeoisie. Boom. <laughs>
it's the bourgeoisie. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> but, uh, that was the that was the big show theme song. Now we, that was great. Now Thanks. we need to go and buy like an old copy of a WWE game and create these people. Uh, today, Which is how we have spent many many weekends and uh, and oh uh, sleepovers in the past. So many hours have been spent as grown men playing fifteen-year-old wrestling games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would. I would wake up early if we had like crashed out at one o'clock in the morning or whatever. I would wake up early when everyone else was asleep and to do a few little like move set changes <laughs> on my character. Just so I was like really happy with them. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind yeah. of perfectionism that I expect from you on an Xbox three sixty. <laughs> yeah, those are the days. <laughs> yeah. It was nice to care about something. Neither of us have kids, so it's still entirely possible for us to still do this. Uh, It's not like our responsibilities have grown that much since those days. No, no. I mean, I'm already gently planning for when the pandemic is over to come over to your end of the country and do that that very thing oh well i've been thinking dave this is slightly off topic but my plan for the moment the lockdown is over is i'm gonna get an airbnb somewhere remote uh and i'm gonna spend like three or four days there just completely on my own because the problem i've had here is being locked down with everybody else in the house is it's like essentially being imprisoned with your parents and if there's some people you don't want to be in prison with it's like it's it's your mum right because you're like, oh, God, mum, I need to, like, sh- prove myself the biggest guy in here. And I can't be the baddest motherfucker in the prison if you're always asking me about my laundry. You know? <laughs> well, then the, the obvious, the answer is obvious. You need to shank her. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, uh, the obvious answer is my mum is the baddest motherfucker in the prison. Right, of course. Well, sure. Of course. Okay, she'll ask sure. If you're willing to their, accept that. Yeah, she'll ask everyone about their laundry. No, but my, my plan is I'm going to go spend like three or four days just on a remote, you know, a remote place, just zenning, zenning out. Um, and then after that, I need to hit up all the things I haven't been able to do uh, in lockdown. And one of those Such things as? will, well, one, one of those things, because my dad listens to this, so let's just keep it, you know. Let's you keep know, it let's kosher. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. <laughs> Uh, one of those things will just have to be playing video games and seeing friends and stuff. And this seems like a good way of doing it, of getting like a uh, an Airbnb, like in the New Forest or something like that for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would be Go cool. on walks and stuff. That'd be fun. Yeah. Well, right, something for the future. We'll podcast from, from the Airbnb in the future. <laughs> yeah. Today, though, we are talking about a movie we, we discussed uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then we said last week, oh my god, we didn't do the movie that we discussed. And so uh, we've watched it, and that is Honey Boy, the Shia LaBeouf semi-autobiographical movie of his childhood, uh, where he is essentially playing his father. And this was a David Bryan recommendation. And when that comes around, folks, you know you're up for something good. None of that trashy shit when David Bryan recommends... (laughs) A movie. So, Dave, what was it about Honey Boy that that drew you in? I think I um, saw something on YouTube around the time that this was being released in 2019 um, um, about Shire talking about this and sort of um, giving a few details about his what his relationship with his dad was like. And it, even then, I was like, that sounds like a daddy issues. Mm. And um, then we brought it up, didn't we, when we were talking about Straight Out of Compton because. These are the probably only two examples in modern cinema 
that we could think of where an actor plays their own father in a movie of their father kind of of their father's life with um I keep I kept calling him Curtis Jackson in O'Shea the, uh, Jackson Jr. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I kept calling uh, Ice Cube Son Fifty Cent in the Straight Outta Compton podcast, but his name was O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yeah, um, yeah got to play um, his dad in a time before he was born. Whereas in this one, Shia LaBeouf is playing his dad and then acting opposite another actor who's playing himself as a mm. as a child. So the whole concept as itself is is really interesting, and the the idea that it's also a very traumatic and um, destructive relationship. Is something we haven't really touched a great deal on. We haven't had that many um, negative uh, father-son relationships um, discussed so far. So no, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a nice, a nice uh, direction to take it in, especially in comparison to uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, it is a great counterpoint to, to Straight Outta Compton because one of the things we were talking about with uh, with Compton was can this movie be honest when I, when O'Shea Jackson is played by O'Shea Jackson Jr. And the whole movie is like, Ice Cube was the smartest guy. He was so talented. He always did the right thing. And like he, one time he smashed up that record, the the record producer thing, and that was a little bit a little bit sketchy. But generally, Ice Cube comes off as being, you know, amazing in Straight Outta Compton. Um, yeah. When when portrayed by his son, whereas Honey Boy is like, uh, here's what my childhood was like, and it weren't great. Um, it's a yeah, a, a completely different, uh, a completely different take. Where uh, Shia LaBeouf wrote the movie as well, so he wrote her. He wrote his essentially his story, but then also stars in it as kind of the antagonist, I suppose, the, which is his father. And if you could call them an antagonist, I don't know that you really could. But they're both kind of co-protagonists. But um, yeah, the father is definitely. Uh, the causer of, of many ills. Um... Hi, Daddy Issues listeners. This is Dom with the Daddy Issues First, which is an, an actual insert into the podcast. Because at this point in our discussion, before we even got into the movie, we wanted to lay out the uh, domestic abuse allegations that FKA Twigs, the, the female star of Honey Boy, recently laid out against her former boyfriend, Shia LaBeouf, the star and writer of Honey Boy. Um, she put out a lawsuit recently uh, with full of just absolutely uh, horrendous things. I won't go into that into so much detail here. It's It's been pretty widely publicized now. But within our conversation, it was kind of clear that especially on my part, I was trying to, to vocalize uh, coherent thoughts within our discussion but it wasn't quite there and so listening back in our editing process um, I said to Dave I'm not overly comfortable with it, especially what what I said I didn't want anything to, to come across as being insensitive um, or to uh, certainly not to uh, delay any blame for the situation on uh, FK Twix herself but the point of the conversation now um, was the tragic irony that comes with uh, a couple meeting each other on the set of a movie about abuse. And uh, Shia LaBeouf and FKA Twigs met on the making of Honey Boy, which is obviously as an autobiographical story is laying out the 
abuse that Shia LaBeouf faced as a kid and then the abusive person that he would grow into. Um, and yeah, that tragic irony that comes with him then dealing out that very abuse uh, himself against his, his former co-star and his romantic partner. And for my part, I would say that the, most of the conversation was uh, Shia LaBeouf can kind of go fuck himself. And I think you'll, you'll find more of that as, uh, as the podcast goes on anyway. But yes, this was just a, a, a little uh, explanation. Oh, the other thing we said was we were surprised that the FKA Twigs uh, was from Cheltenham in Gloucestershire, which is like 20 miles from where I live. She's not from Los Angeles. Um, and there was a, a little uh, a little question of uh, does that affect her believability in the role? Turns out no, because she's uh, she's a really great artist. But um, yes, that that was basically it. Uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. But I mean, we haven't really had a chance to, to jump into the film itself yet, so. Let's uh, let's get into into Honey Boy. Uh, I mean, it's a great movie. That kind of almost feels like we we haven't touched upon it yet, but it almost goes without saying. Um, it is brilliant, and um, I was really really impressed. I don't think it gave me anything that I wasn't necessarily expecting from from the trailer and from what I'd heard about it before. I feel like it it delivered almost exactly what I expected it to deliver, um, which is not necessarily but which isn't a bad thing, right? It's not like uh, oh this movie was every was just as good as I thought it was gonna be, but you know there you know what I mean. There wasn't a bit where it suddenly played a twist on on the narrative. It was it it set itself out to be. Um, uh, the evolution of himself as a child and, and as an adult and it did kind of exactly that did it ring true to what to your perceptions of Shia LaBeouf as you perceived him before yeah yeah it did it gave me it the way that um Noah Jupe who plays young Otis in the film mm. um which is the character based on Shia as a child I yeah I felt like he was doing a very um in in like the imaginary timeline of Shia LaBeouf's life from when he was a public figure to now if you put in the Noah Duke performance at the beginning of that timeline I'd buy it like I think that is I can imagine him as a 12 year old being that way yeah absolutely so the 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 chronology and the narrative definitely yeah it definitely satisfied me and I th- and um rang it did ring true and what i found interesting about the film which i did also i did really like it was um sort of the more artistic choices that the the director made um with some some sort of dream sequences and cutting very quickly through like flashback kind of things and it's it that that elevated it beyond just a regular biopic or biography or whatever you wanted to call it yeah 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 it's a, it's yeah it's kind of a, it's almost a difficult movie to talk about because it's not it's not there's not so much of a plot to it really is there um I, the, no. the plot the plot kind of follows the older 
Shia LaBeouf, played by Lucas Hedges. And it's him detailing his experiences through rehab and trying to um, trying to play out his childhood until he can reach a cathartic uh, release of, over his father. Um, the director, Alma Harrell, this is her first feature film, I think. Mm. Um, and it's a fucking strong showing for your first feature film. Big time. Yeah. For a relatively small budget i think that like the budget was like three and a half million dollars mm. and it it practically made that back they didn't make any profit on it but you know that's for what for what money they had i thought it was it was really well put together yeah yeah what did you think if we uh, do a, a a comparison what did you think of of noah dupe as the younger version and lucas hedges as the older version uh, of the same character did you kind of buy them together as various versions of of him um to be honest like i i didn't see a strong link between mm-hmm. them i thought each of their performances was really good especially young noah dupe i thought he was really incredible and also british surprisingly oh i didn't um no um so yeah i thought he was especially good and raw and I get the sense that when Shia was playing his dad in those scenes where they were quite uh, aggressive or emotional, they do they talk, kind of talk over each other a bit in a kind of a natural way. And I can imagine Shia being the kind of performer that he is, that he was kind of doing a lot of riffing and sort of getting lost in the character and stuff. But Noah held, held his own mm. completely. And they like stayed in, in the moment, stayed in the character, and they could have some back and forths that were looked a bit, sounded a bit messy and almost non-movie-like, non-cinematic but it really affected um, in a positive way how emotional those scenes were because they seemed more real totally when when it came, and then with with Lucas he was he was strange to me because I felt sometimes when listening to him speak if I closed my eyes I would have thought it was Shire like he right. even changed his voice somehow to sound like him and I think um I read that he moved into Shire's house or at least showed up and hung out with Shire all the time in preparation for it to the point where Shire was getting a bit weirded out. And so Shire left and went to stay in a hotel so that Lucas and Noah could move into his house <laughs> together. So, so that, which I think is a really great sort of strategy. Sure, get the two actors who are playing the same character together. Because I th- I, in, in an interview, they mentioned that they intentionally put a few kind of like physical traits into their performances that hopefully you would see appearing in both timelines which i must have missed <laughs> maybe they were quite subtle i missed them so that maybe that's on me but and then also to have them live together in the house of the person that they're playing who's a real life person that's a lot of that's taking a lot of uh, going to a lot of lengths to try and get it as authentic as possible so i'll i'll put it on myself that perhaps i didn't see a great link but it seems like a lot of work went into it and individually they were yeah they were really great yeah, I I bought I bought Noah as the young Shia LaBeouf, and I bought Lucas Hedges as the older Shia LaBeouf, but I didn't necessarily see the connection between them, which is such a strange thing to say, um, because obviously there I bought both of them as different versions of the same person, but I didn't buy both of them as versions of each other. Of each other, yeah, 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 exactly. And I, I wonder how much of that is supposed to be intentional because the directing itself is very different for each bit. The cinematography is very different for the 
uh, for the bits with with Noah as the younger one, especially around the motel because it's full of these neon um, these neon colors that you get around the motel from the from the lights and whereas uh, with Lucas at the the rehab center it's much more muted. Right? It's these muted kind of gray colors that come from from being in, a, in an area of rehab. And the the only neon kind of colors we get are at the beginning when he's still able to take drugs and to drink. And um, then we go back to him as a child. And I think the other I definitely bought it at the end of the movie. There's that kind of dream sequence where the older the older Lucas goes back to the motel to see uh, to see his father kind of in the in the way that it's not it it doesn't seem like it's literal or not it's really difficult to see if it was supposed to be literal or not it's I'm subtle not... isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but I, I i bought it as a dream as well or kind of an imaginary or like a a visual representation of of older shire coming to a place in himself yes. so yes yeah. there is some artistic bent to the to the the way a film's yeah. made yeah um so yeah, I wonder how much of it, from a filmmaking point of view, was supposed to be a deliberate separation between, between those two, right? Whereas they are being the same person, but, uh, the character of Otis of of Shire is so different at those different parts of his life that they should feel like two different people. Like the opening of the movie is him on the set of what is presumably Transformers, being blown away uh, by an explosion right and then we're introduced to the younger version of him with the same thing again but it's a pie in the face gag yeah and it's kind of that like this is where his life has gone or where you know his life has reached this point now where he's being thrown across massive sets with explosions on like giant hollywood productions but it all started with a pie in the face and that's kind of where these two you know he's almost not the same person right he is but he's not and it's yeah it's i don't know know no yeah i yeah no i do i do buy that because uh presumably as he's well he's going to go through very formative some of the most formative years of his life between ages of 12 and 22 which Mm -hmm. is when the two sort of time periods that that run parallel are set so yeah, it makes sense that he would he would be really different as a as a man than from being twelve. Because I think I don't know if you think that this is reflected in the movie, but in real life, um, I think the last film in which Shire's dad was around for, and Shire was paying him for as his like chaperone or whatever, was Constantine, right. which is. Which is what, 2000 and... What do you want to say? I'm going to say 2005. Yeah, I was going to say 2004, 2005, yeah. And the winner is 2005. Yeah. 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 So he has... Shia has a good year then. I think he does iRobot and then Constantine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the year after he did Bobby, the uh, Bobby Kennedy biopic. Um, but yeah, it's so in 2005 is when he cuts his dad out of his life when he's, what, 19? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 19. So these are like I say, just super formative years and all the damage is carried on. <laughs> you know, it's not like he, not, it's not like this film, he's 12 years old and then after this, his dad is gone. Like following the timeline of this movie, his dad is still around, still being his dad for the next 
six years, six, seven years. So if we just, I know there's as an attempt to offer some kind of reconciliation between young Otis and his dad towards the end, towards the end of the movie, but people don't change dramatically. He's still going to be who he is and still treat Otis the same way you would you would expect yeah i think yeah the, the movie does a, a good job of that as well of, of showing them trying to be better people but we can tell from the older from lucas hedges from the older version of him that there was no um perfect solution for the two of them when he was young right it, there was no bit where otis was like uh uh sorry where uh, where James, the father figure, was like, I'm going to be a better dad to you now. And then he actually was. Right? Like, the, the end of the movie gives that idea of that they, they become closer. And um, uh, Otis has that moment of, you know, I want you to be a real dad. I want you to be an actual dad. And uh, James responds to that by taking him to a marijuana farm that he's growing on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. And that's their father and son moment. Right, their father and yeah. son reconciliation is, look at all this weed that we're growing, and uh, and Otis is like, what if they find you, the police or the city? And he's like, ah, oh, it's fine. No one's gonna, no one's gonna notice. And it's like your son is uh, on a major, he's a celebrity, right? And you're his yeah. guardian, and you're growing marijuana at the side of the road for what reason? You know, it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this weird kind of grapple for independence by the father mm. instead of by the by the adolescent or pre-adolescent son, which is yeah. which is weird. But yeah, I suppose I also thought thought about that moment from the perspective of a kid who wants his dad around, whose dad has been in jail, and if he gets busted for something else again, how much longer is he going to be locked away for, mm. and not be around? Because despite everything that. Otis and his dad well it's what Otis is put through by his dad there's quite a physical and violent confrontation that's where Otis still says to him I want you to be here yeah like a, yeah, so, as, he's, as he's hitting him almost, as yeah. he's hitting him yeah, yeah. so it's like yeah. well there's he obviously says he still loves him and obviously feels like he needs him and is not ready to kind of turn the screw on his dad and say you actually are really shit and you're actually causing me a lot of damage but you know I'm, he's 12 so how he's not in a position to rationalize that way mm. and turn his this disruptive and abusive figure away because at the end of the day it's still his dad and that's he who he every 12 year old thinks they need to have their dad around mm-hmm. yeah i think maybe rather than just going through the actual plot of the movie because as we said, it's it's a, a, a character story rather than an actual plot. It's kind of difficult to just to just do it. Um, what were the scenes, the scenes themselves, that that stuck out to you as being really strong within the movie? What are the ones that when you when you think back on on Honey Boy, that were the scenes that will really stick with you? Okay, uh, I th- yeah, okay, I've got. Um... I'll, I'll give you one from young Otis and one from from older mm-hmm. Otis. The one from uh, young Otis from 1995 is when um, I think they have um, Otis and his dad have some have a row and uh, uh, James just leaves leaves the motel, gets on his bike and fucks off and just leaves Otis on his own. And 
that's when um, Otis starts to bond with the young girl who lives across the way, who's played by FKA Twigs. And they have this very... this very str- kind of strange interaction in um, the hotel room where they're, they're very intimate with each other. Yeah, it's almost it, sexual. It's almost, almost. Or like you feel like a little bit uncomfortable. Like, is this film really going to go this way? Yeah. Because she's... I don't know. Like she looks quite young, so yeah, I, I she, would say I think she's like late teens, early twenties. I would guess. Yeah, I would say yeah, youngest she would be sixteen, seventeen, yes. and she could be yeah. in her early twenties. It's hard hard to really say. But he's twelve. But they yeah. get very physically close to each other. But then it ends in quite a sweet way. They're nothing. It doesn't go anywhere mm-hmm. weird. Um, and they spend some time together. Uh, and that scene, I think, particularly would feel would have felt more inappropriate if we hadn't seen some kind of essence of. Um, an artistic non-mainstream kind of bent to this film yeah um if it had been very straight and straight and narrow then that it would have been more uncomfortable but because we've seen some things that didn't actually happen in this movie mm-hmm. and like the way i try that i thought was maybe how we can tell what parts are real and what parts not is what you were talking about with the neon lighting because the more obvious dream or imaginary sequences are, are very much lit in sort of pink and blue and purple and it becomes quite it's quite obvious um and i think that maybe that that scene in the motel room has a bit of that but there's certainly the following scene where they're outdoors and they have this whole like conversation in mime the mime baseball yeah yeah it's like like, and he's beautifully yeah it's really it's a beautiful scene where they Mm. yeah they like play it like baseball and he like pretends to to fall Mm. but again the background lighting is really clowning right he's doing doing the the clown clown for his father is a former rodeo clown and is that's the the mannerisms that he's taken on that have led him to being a childhood tv star essentially the, this yeah. character yeah so i think he's, Shia, he's, he started off doing stand-up comedy i think and that's how he got an agent who was doing right. comedy and then he decided he wanted to be an actor right. so he's he always had that performance thing but that yeah that sequence was so much more powerful and beautiful in silence mm. in just in mannerisms it was almost like a dance between them that was way more affecting than if um it had been written in dialogue if they had compared stories and because i think the family which um shy girl who she's credited as in the movie also lives with her parents who can be a little bit loud and yell at her and stuff so they maybe they could have had a my parents suck my dad sucks too Mm -hmm. but instead of having that sort of negative uh, reinforcement they sharing some beautiful innocent really just lovely almost ethereal kind of experience together which is really sweet which ends with them falling asleep i think and her cradling him like a child mm-hmm. um which was, i thought was really sweet um so that's that's the scene sequence that sticks out for me from young and then older otis a lot of the therapy stuff really struck me it's particularly when he's speaking with his therapist and she's putting him through these exercises and he seems quite out of control initially and like the anger is just too much and he won't do the things that she's telling him to do despite the fact that they clearly seem to be working in calming him down bringing him back into the room and stuff and just as that gradually went on and those kind of sequences over time you know they got they were quite powerful to me um and culminating in a scene where he's reading the script that he's written He's been spending time writing about his dad in the form of a script and writing about his childhood and then he has to read it to her and he just he 
just cries through it and that that was that was super super powerful and i wondered if um if affected me more because i'm going through an experience with therapy now and if i'd watched it two years ago or when or maybe yeah well when I, if i watched it when it came out whether it would have been a lot more removed from me and i wouldn't have felt anything about it. it would have just been you know an interesting development for the characters or whatever um but yeah i think this film was well measured and used a lot of moments like that to really sort of sucker sucker punch in mm. and affect you emotionally yeah those are the ones that stand out yeah i thought that scene with with fk twigs well that that whole relationship actually was was really good because the father has clearly has uh like uh, sexual desire for her and the father is in competition with his son a one-sided competition in which the father wants to better his son um, and is jealous of his son's success because he was a rodeo clown and uh, then ended up going to prison and his son is a successful actor on TV and his dad has to be there to look after him. But he is jealous of his son's success to such an extent that he's even telling a 12-year-old boy that he's got a tiny dick. Right? Yeah, and that's, it's okay. emasculating a child. Yeah, yeah. and um, he, he says he makes a joke about his son's balls dropping and he's, he's like, Dad, I'm 12. And I think... And then he, his, uh, the older version, who is played, of course, played by Shia LaBeouf, makes some joke about... Um, uh, it's like, uh, it, it, no, no, the younger one says it gets the job done. And yeah. the other the father says, what job? And the younger one's like, girls, like that. And it's, it's 12 is such an interesting age for this because he's clearly still a child, but his father is trying to drag him into manhood so that he can compete with him, right? And because you can't justify competing with a a child but if you think that he's older you know like if you you put him as like 16 years old or 17 years old then you know you could actually have a man-to-man like competition so his father wants to you know, he's giving him cigarettes he's giving him alcohol like he's doing this stuff you know to try and drag him into uh, a position where they can have a confrontation um, but he can't because his son is a boy and all he wants is his father to love him. Whereas what his father wants is, you know, to prove that he's better um, or to or to prove that he's not worthless, rather. And he, you know, that inferiority that Shia LaBeouf just plays perfectly comes from the fact that he's been, you know, everything he's ever achieved in his life has been beaten by a 12-year-old already, who's got a, you know, a successful TV show, who's, you know, the only thing he can't do is have sex with a girl because he's 12. Hmm. But his father keeps pushing him to be older, almost trying to push him into puberty. And that's, I think, why the relationship with FKA Twigs is so really beautiful and a relationship that we don't get to see very much 
outside of, I would say, often anime. Anime does it quite a lot, where they have teenage teenagers on the verge of puberty, where it's like you're st- you still have the innocence of childhood, but you're about to go through this transformation in which you're kind of like corrupted by the desires of the adult world. Um, and that's the exact point that Otis stands at in this movie. And why the dynamic with him and the child and FKA Twigs is like, which way is this going to go? Right? Is it going to go that he is still still a boy capable of love? Like of, of non-sexual love? Or has his father corrupted him to such an extent that either even as a 12-year-old boy, his... This was a phrase I thought of in the movie I wanted to bring up. His love has become transactional. And there's that... And what you're saying in that, that bit with FK Twigs is just absolutely fucking amazing. And, like, my stomach dropped was they they spend the night together and they just hug and you have that bit where it's like, are they going to make out? But they actually they kind of just... They touch each other's faces and they kiss each other on the cheek and it it doesn't become sexual it becomes loving and then he gives her money at the end and it's like he just prostituted her love and that was like to me that was a moment that my stomach kind of dropped because it's like he's never going to be able to have a proper relationship like a loving relationship, right? And it's because he has to pay his father to chaperone him on set. And as as he says later on in the movie, you wouldn't be here if I didn't pay you, right? And because the, Shia LaBeouf has that moment where he says, what do you think it feels like to be paid, you know, to, for you, to be paid by your 12-year-old son? You know, for your boss to be your 12-year-old son? You wouldn't be here if I didn't pay you. And that's how he's going to view every loving relationship that he has for the rest of his life, right? What is the transaction here? And he gives he gives her money after they embrace each other. And I thought, oh, no, that's going to be it now. Right? She's going to be insulted. She's going to, you know, turn him away. She's going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you tried to pay me for that. But it doesn't happen. Like, her love is consistent. And the next time they spend time together that element is kind of removed it's not there anymore it's kind of like he is still he's still a boy he's capable of um of love and affection without that transaction being in place um but ultimately his father you know if he just got rid of that fucking dad you know it's uh yeah i don't know i feel like i've gone on a lot about that one scene but it was so good no, I think it's a it's a really important scene though, and you've actually given it more importance than I had clocked at the time about the 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 transactional nature of of love in that way. I hadn't made that link, and yeah, that's really brilliant both on your part for spotting it and for the the movie for 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 creating that. Like that's mm. really poignant and powerful, and as well as we're seeing a bit of um, of present day or like rather 2005 Shia LaBeouf in one half of this movie we we as the audience also have everything that happened since then in the media and in in the in the what do you call the 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 shit newspapers that only tell gossip tabloids thank yeah. you yeah so we we know where he this goes beyond where the film is going to end 
so having this kind of precursor this seed planted yeah me yeah you're absolutely right shit he's never going to be able to have a proper relationship yeah and then that bit at the end of the movie where he almost gets rid of his his father and his father kind of su- suggests oh he's going to turn over a new leaf but we know ultimately ultimately he doesn't um if he could just get away from that influence and have you know a, not a normal childhood but as as they say numerous times in the movie he's always acting right every single part of his life is a performance of one kind or another and the only time where that brings him joy is the the baseball mime scene that's the only time where he's performing and actually getting joy from it is the scene where he's he with him and FKA Twigs where they are or Shy Girl, the character, where they're doing their miming the baseball and laughing, and he's doing it to for her enjoyment, and they they share a like a, a bubble of, of happiness together there. Um, yeah, yeah. That reminds me actually. There's an interesting part of that round table um, video on on YouTube from the Hollywood Reporter, where they he's Shia talks about what this what what playing his dad taught him about acting in more of a general sense and uh, the film i think touches on this too about um how the pain which he carries as an adult from his dad it's been a kind of a gift like it's helped him in his acting and he can always tap into that whenever he needs to and out comes the stuff that gets him paid you know that's what gets him hired for new jobs is because he can tap into something but in that uh, discussion he says that um what the, this performance allowed him to do was to empathise with something that he always saw as negative and destructive and an energy that he could only use for a certain thing. Um, and that kind of freed him of it because he talks about how like anger and aggression and rage, that kind of stuff is, comes easy as an actor. But what's hard is being sincere and being genuine and being sweet and coming and to... to to um, achieve that, you have to come into it from a place of love. Mm. You can't take pain and anger and turn it into something sweet and loving. But that's that was all. That's all he had. He so he says I had no technique. All I had was this feeling that I could draw on whenever I wanted to, and I could spit it out as a performance. So, um, having yeah, having said that, he says the hardest thing to to get from people as a performer is a a a genuine laugh or a genuine smile like i suppose he means you can put people on edge with like a with like a dark performance but that is easier than achieving something light and good which he didn't know he really could do it's i mean having said that he was an even stevens where he had to be silly every day (laughs) (laughs) so i guess he could draw on something and turn it into something positive but Mm. um yeah that's uh he clearly um, has his life is as a performer is in two halves up until the point where he played his dad and who he is afterwards. And I'm interested to see whatever he comes up with next and whether it's, there's a noticeable difference either in the outcome or in his approach. Um, And I know that he's in that Netflix thing, uh, pieces of a woman, which kind of was released right around this, when this story came out last year so all of the thumbnails and stuff on Netflix are just of um, Vanessa Kirby, I think, is the lead actress of that. Like he's, I think, it's a two, a, 
a two-part, not two-parter, a, a, t- a double header. What's the phrase? Basically, there are two. Is a man and a woman lead in, in the movie, whatever the the industry term is for that. And he's the the male lead, but he's in none of the promotional pictures because they're like shit. No one's going to watch this if the people know Shia LaBeouf's in it. Um, and apparently, it's quite good, and he's quite good. But so I'd like to, I'd see how what what happens next. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I. I... I don't want to go through it scene by scene again because I don't want to take away any of the beauty from the movie, which is is really present. I'm just kind of trying to explain it as well. But it's one of the things ultimately that is quite upsetting and why I think I had to have that conversation about the FKA Twigs allegations up top was after watching it, you really want him to get his shit together. Right, and you don't want history to repeat itself, especially when he is so present in that moment. And the fact that even after this, right, even after all of this, with putting it on screen, with having that therapeutic performance, with that with that Hollywood moment for catharsis where he plays his own father, this is the time in the autobiographical movie about him where he shreds that. Uh, that trauma and is like they say like they say in the fucking movie the seed is reborn into a flower you know they they say the seed needs to destroy itself to to flower and you know you want him to become a new a new person and then two years later well one year later his uh his girlfriend who was in the movie says uh that he's being abusive and he's being controlling and he's being all of these things that he detailed in this in this thing, and it's like, God damn it! Right. Yeah, I and like as a fan as well. Like I've always liked him as a as an actor. Like everything he's in, I think he's brilliant. And there are certain films where I think his his performance kind of went under the radar a bit of how actually brilliant he is like uh lawless do you see lawless with um, no, it's Tom the, the Hardy, prohibition, prohibition one, right? one. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. A, he's brilliant in that um and fury the world war ii's tank thing with brad pitt he's great in that like he's he gets some really great roles and he nails them like he knocks them out of the park and in a strangely i don't know like they're always quite intense i suppose and he can definitely mine something for these more intense intense things i don't think he's done anything particularly uplifting or upbeat since oh peanut butter falcon was meant to be a bit more of a bit more of that but playing a complex character again yeah i'm yeah. really intrigued to see that one as well because they both came out sort of around the same time mm-hmm. didn't they this that and, and honey boy and um i think he's um that's the one uh for anyone who doesn't know peanut butter falcon is about him and a young man with down syndrome and i think shire has said um, that his relationship with the actor, the Down syndrome, actor with Down syndrome in that movie, has kind of helped him stay sober, helped him stay on the straight and narrow, and helped him check himself. Um, and I can only speculate as to why, but you know, hopefully he's getting involved in things that better himself. Because I, 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 I'm rooting for him. I am. I think I want him to to straighten out, and I, I want him to have a a good life and be a good, a positive figure in Hollywood yeah. I don't want him to be one of these bad boys that you love to hate I don't want another Mel Gibson no well yeah that's that's the thing is that at this point he's not even a bad boy right he's not the youth actor who's gone out partying and then 
you know, he's just becoming a, a monster of Hollywood that at some point has to be removed, right? You know what I mean? Mm. Where it's like... Well, here's a good example of a trajectory that I would hope he could emulate. And that's what kind of yeah. the Robert Downey Jr. thing. Yes, yeah. Where yeah. he was yeah, that's the untouchable kind of for so long. Because yeah. Yeah, his behaviour yeah. was so bad and so public. Yeah. People were like, I mean, he's obviously talented, but he's also a fuck-up. So yeah. let's yeah. just get rid of him. And it wasn't until... You know, John Favreau came knocking on the door and said, "Hey, John, play a superhero." That now we think of Robert Downey Jr. as this darling of of cinema. Um, but I suppose you could go that way, or you can go more kind of on the way of you can go the Christian Bale route, where you're kind of unabashedly an asshole to people, but you keep making great work, and so people keep hiring you and people keep giving you awards, but nobody really wants to know you. Well, no one wants to be your friend because you're a bit of a shit. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of an opposite question to what we had in Straight Out of Compton. Because in Straight Out of Compton, the question was, do you trust that the film is honest, given who produced the film and uh, who was starring in the film? With this one, do I trust that the movie was honest, even though it was written by him and starring him? Yes, I trust the honesty of this movie more than I trust the honesty of Straight Hour Compton. But do I empathise with this movie as much knowing that he hasn't changed now? I find that more difficult now. Because... I empathise with Eze in Straight Out Compton, even though I know that he did some pretty bad shit. Right, he wasn't a perfect person. Um, but he his trajectory was tragic, and that's where the, that's where the problem comes into Straight Out Compton with like the portrayal of Doctor Dre is that it only shows his his rise and it doesn't critique him in any way. There's no critique of Dr. Dre. Even when his his partner drives off with their baby, it's like, oh, poor Dr. Dre, his partner drove off with their baby. Rather than, maybe you should have been at home with your partner and your baby, Dr. Dre, right? It's like, yeah. uh, how terrible that she drove away with his baby, right? They never mention it again after that, do they? I no, think no, just like, no, exactly, exactly. Whereas in this, whereas in Honey Boy, we get a dive into what made him the person he was and we get to see the opportunity for him to redeem himself right because he's literally there right we get it it's right there and then the fact that he Ooh. am am i wasting my time with this right am i wasting my time investing in him and his childhood story and his adult story am i wasting my uh, my investment and my emotions in somebody who is unable to process anything other than uh, abuse for the people who love him. You know? Mm. You know? Yeah. And do I want to give him that empathy when the people that love him are the ones who get hurt? 
the most. And he can say in his statement, oh, often the ones I'm closest to are the ones I hurt the most, then fucking don't hurt them. And I know it's not that easy. Obviously, it's not that easy. That's what the whole movie is about. And that's what the what he encapsulates in the performance of his father, right? But in 30 years' time, there could easily be Honey Boy 2, where the son of Shia LaBeouf is playing Shia LaBeouf, being exactly the same as his father was. Yeah. And that, that's the more believable trajectory, really. Yeah. Like you want to have hope yeah. for that people can change and better themselves and get the help they need and put their dark in the rear view but yeah with someone like Shia and his dad and and Shia's real dad had similar abuse from his parents mm-hmm. both of them were alcoholics and Shia's dad was an alcoholic and Shia himself is an alcoholic so there is this kind of repeating pattern that is just being passed down and down and down and yeah with when it comes to kids I suppose you would hope that people get their shit together before they have kids mm-hmm. and don't uh, stumble into yeah. a situation where you're around a very malleable, very, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I can't think of a better word than malleable. I'm quite happy with my, happy with my first word there, malleable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a child, yeah, whilst you're trying to figure out your shit or whilst you're not even trying to figure out your shit, you're just spraying your shit all over the place and your child is right in the front row. This is a I, bit of a downer. I, no, I, well, it, the movie is kind of a bit of a downer. <laughs> but I can't think of a movie recently that I enjoyed so much that was so, so well made that's just like a 9 out of 10 movie that I've come away from feeling, should I have enjoyed that as much now? And it is, it is his relationship, like his real relationship with FKA Twigs that has... The, has turned this for me because again her performance is incredible she is so good in this movie and they are they will be forever bound in my consciousness now because of this performance and because what i what i know of their relationship yeah um but i can't think of i can't think of another movie like this that that has that it's almost like the notebook <laughs> right oh that's where, not the film where, i was expecting no well where ryan uh, ryan i say ryan adams ryan gosling and rachel adams uh they they delivered like their for for that time it was their uh their performances right like their defining performances of that period was was the notebook and they gave such this romantic beautiful uh ro- you know love story to be all love story performances because they were actually in a relationship together or you know and they they and then they uh, they broke up and then you had to watch The Notebook with the heartbreak of knowing that this perfect on-screen couple weren't actually together anymore. And it's like, uh, and that, that makes it like a, a, it makes it a bittersweet, a bittersweet love story to know that their, their love ultimately failed where their character's love succeeded. And it's like that, yeah. it's that thing back into real life where the Hollywood love story ultimately collapses on itself because it's, it's a uh, a Hollywood uh, a Hollywood 
idea of of what love is yeah i had a similar experience the other day watching the amazing spider-man knowing that emma stone and andrew garfield aren't together anymore in real life and it was kind of upsetting yes Yes, that, that's what I mean. But now imagine that you found out that Andrew Garfield had abused Emma Stone. Right? You would, you'd look back at that performance and be like, oh, it didn't work out and that's really terrible. And also now, can I even enjoy this movie when I know what it ultimately leads to? Hmm. And, that, and that movie isn't even about... It would be like Andrew Garfield is playing Uncle Ben... And you, uh, with a younger Peter Parker in that, you know, it's, oh, I don't know, it's... Or like Peter Parker himself is playing Uncle Ben. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's the only way that analogy works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We've, we've manifested Peter Parker. Tobey Maguire is playing Uncle Ben for Andrew Garfield. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's so... Oh, yeah, it's just... Uh... Oh, it's such a good movie, and I'm so conflicted about it. Well, that's I think that's that's powerful stuff as well. I mean, there are there are really obvious examples of of musicians who make great music, but then what they've done privately, yeah, is but, abhorrent, and then maybe they've been punished for it, maybe they haven't. But you go, well, am I allowed to listen to that song that was in the end of the Joker by Gary Glitter, or am I not? No, it's no, objectively no, 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 a good song. no. This is the Loudon Wainwright effect. Again, we're back to Loudon Wainwright. This oh, is the sure, Loudon yeah. Wainwright movie of movies. No, it's the the Rufus Wainwright, Loudon Wainwright. It's the same thing. It's the same thing all over again. Um, where like Ruf, it, like Rufus Wainwright covers his father's album, and you think he's found some kind of catharsis from it, but ultimately he, you know, ah, oh, fuck it, I don't know. <laughs> This is it's a real it's a real web, yeah. These kind these kind of things, and that we can't pretend like we uh, we know all of the all of the the answers, or we can't we can't necessarily justify everything. Yeah. But it's because yeah. But then the, this I think this is a great element of art, and we've seen in Shire's recent career that he has a predilection for art and pushing the boundaries of what art is. So, and I think this this kind of falls into that that category. He can do this, and then he can do that. Um, that Rob Cantor video of uh, that's the Shia LaBeouf song, and then at the end, Shia LaBeouf's in the auditorium and applauds like um, fucking Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. and we like we're like, ah, oh, Shia, he's so much fun. Like he, he, there he is having a good time. Meanwhile, that probably means more to him than just that, and he can do that. Yeah, that installation where he sits and watches all his movies in a row and just laughs, and then that's put up in a museum. Or didn't he do some? Um, some street theatre thing I can't really remember um, or that Sia video where he dances with that little girl that got a little bit of um, controversy around it um, he just yeah he does he he's he seems to me like someone who's reaching beyond the sort of the boundaries of, of what reality is and what art is and what cinema is and what being a person is and just going Let's see what happens if I go over that line. Yeah. Yeah. And he's really funny in iRobot. That's, yes, yeah. But that's the, that's the young Shire that we see there. 
right? Yeah, that's, like eighteen year old Shire. Yeah, that's where. Yes, the problem with this movie is that it's all about cultivating your understanding for a person seeking redemption. Right, and that's ultimately what what all the characters in this movie are looking for. Is all of the characters are looking for redemption in one way or another. And as the person who wrote in this and starred in it, he is vocalizing his father's search for redemption in that way. And then his own acknowledgement of that's what he's looking for as well. But that he claims to be looking for it and that I empathize with his search for redemption and then he continues to hurt people makes it very difficult for me to sympathize with him again. Um, I wish I'd watched Peanut Butter Falcon first because now I'm when I do watch it and I, I, I did want to watch it I'm carrying across the emotional baggage that I'm bringing from Honey Boy, which is tied into the emotional baggage of his real life, right? Because you can't... Di- it's not like you could say, oh, but I can you distinguish Beat It by Michael Jackson from the allegations uh, against Michael Jackson? Yeah, probably, because Beat It isn't about children, right? Like, the, the, two, aren't, the two aren't connected. Um... Maybe we are the world, we are the children. That's another, <laughs> you know, we'll, 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 we'll leave that. Um, I think that was his, one of his famous Super Bowl performances. But um, Shia LaBeouf has made a movie where he is so entangled within his own trauma that to see him continue to act out that trauma in real life impacts on the viewing of the movie and is indistinguishable. But because he has produced this in such an open way, that will then be carried across to his other performances, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah. Like I said earlier, like he never thought he was going to be able to be allowed to be in this. Yeah. So if this movie came out written by Shia LaBeouf, but then that's it. He's not producer. He's not director. He's not in it at all. Would you be able to, would, yeah, would you look at him as an actor in a different way? Yes, I, w- I would look at the movie in a different way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because the, the strength of the movie is that he plays his own father. Right? That is what makes the mo- what the his performance of his father, which is this Oscar-worthy performance, right? The fact that he wasn't nominated is kind of a crime. I think the fact that this movie wasn't nominated for more Oscars is kind of a crime. Because he, this, he should have been nominated for... For this performance, I think. But the in the artistic investment from the audience comes from the cathartic release of him writing and performing his own father. Right? That's where the investment comes in. If somebody else played it, it would be like, oh, it's an interesting biography, I guess. But it would be like just watching straight out of Compton without O'Shea Jackson Jr. with somebody else playing Ice Cube. You'd be like, eh, yeah, that's a good it's a good movie about NWA, but the fact that uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. plays Ice Cube is what lends it that element of extra realism, right? Do you think? I thought that's what I think that performance, like you can't distinguish between him not playing Ice Cube in that movie, I think. 
And in this one, if it was another very good actor who gave a, a performance comparable to Shia LaBeouf in an imaginary world, it would still not be the same movie because it's not Shia LaBeouf doing it. Yeah, no, I definitely and, agree yeah. of that in terms of Honey Boy. But in terms of Straight Outta Compton, I don't think it needed O'Shea Jackson Jr. No, 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 yeah, that's true, that's, um, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, ultimately yeah. it's a story about NWA and their influence and their place in American yes. culture and American history. So it it's becomes a bit more of a an Easter egg, a bit of a novelty that yeah. O'Shea Jackson Jr. plays his dad. It didn't need to be, but he they did it and he was great and that made the film better. No, no doubt. But yeah, this film needs Shire to play his dad because otherwise, like you say, it's just a dramatic story about a young, a young actor, and mm-hmm. the fact that it's Shire probably is the reason it got made. Yeah, you hear yeah. so how many so many films where um, actors who want to get into the producing game, the first few films they produce, they have to act in them because no one is willing wants to give them the money to make a movie unless this the movie stars in it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, this movie could have been made for two hundred and fifty grand, at, with you know Z led uh, Z list actors in it, and it would have been a good story, but nobody would have seen it. Whereas the fact that it's Shire and it does become this kind of form of well, the um, the director said that this is more than just an expensive form of therapy. Yeah, this isn't this isn't just therapeutic for Shire. It it I think it does improve its value as art because because of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, its position as art is in, is increased by it. But then you then, although the director does an amazing job, and it's, it's a strange movie because I don't see it as the director's movie. Again, like the director does an does it, it's an amazingly directed film. Again, as we said, the cinematography is gorgeous, but. It is the it is Shia LaBeouf's movie, to me. Um, not to take away from the contributions of everybody else from, from in the film. Yeah, I mean, if it had been a big name act, uh, director, then yes. it would have been their movie. But yeah, you're right because it's a first time director or first time feature director. Yes, and everyone knows it's the movie which Shia LaBeouf wrote about his own life. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's yeah. it's his, and I, I did presume he had produced it too, but he's nowhere. Right. He's listed he nowhere beyond. Credit. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't have any say, any power, maybe, right. other than if some big name writers some sometimes have a bit of a yeah. bit of sway on the casting or whatever mm. or anything. He maybe he did. Um, he's maybe I think he's quite a collaborative person, but yeah. Um, but this yeah, is no, this I, is I one of those you. movies where you can't separate the artist and the art. Yeah, and a Peanut Butter Falcon, on the other hand, you can. Because uh, he's just an actor in a movie, you know, and so you you could separate the artist and the art, but when you have a movie with such towering strength in which you cannot, it's like um, this is going to be a really stupid comparison, but it's like watching Keanu Reeves after the Matrix, right? Where Keanu Reeves has given his performance in the Matrix, and then everything he's in for the next ten years is is Neo. It's Neo <laughs> from the Matrix. Right, and on the other, on the but before that, you had ah, oh, it's, it's Ted from Bill and Ted, and he couldn't get any serious roles for like ten years. And when he did, it was like in in fucking Dracula, but everyone's like it's Ted in Dracula, like you can't take him seriously. Well, yeah, it was either Ted or it was 
Jack from Speed. He's an action hero. That's yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's the the kind of the same thing with with Shia LaBeouf. Now he never suffered that before. It was never like, oh, it's the guy from Transformers, right? Or maybe, oh, it's the kid from Even Stevens. But ultimately, yeah, if you're of a certain trans- generation, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he transcended that easily when he became like a, an action an action kind of actor. But for me now, this is it, right? Anytime I see a Sh- I see Shia LaBeouf in a movie, it's going to be remember that performance that he gave in Honey Boy, and then remember how he didn't fucking grow as a person. <laughs> well, that's the thing. This is an unfinished story. He's still yeah, he's yeah. he's about the same age as me. He's still in his early thirties. Like, there's a long way of his journey still to come, and he we might. You might look at him in five years and be like, isn't it great that Shire turns his life around? And then five years after that, we go, oh, isn't it a shame that Shire's fucking fallen off the wagon again? Or, you know, yeah. reverse it, flip it, whatever way it happens. We have no idea where yeah. it's going to go. But yeah, I mean, as a, I would recommend going, if you haven't seen them, watch Borg McEnroe, watch Fury, watch mm. Lawless. And just you, you can definitely t- see him for beyond it just being, oh, it's Shia LaBeouf and yes. whatever associations yeah. you might have with him. I also tried to watch Nymphomaniac once, but it was hard to sit through. I didn't finish it. Is it but Lars von did... Trier? Lars von Trier, yeah. And I think, I don't know if this is true or urban legend, but Shire has a sex scene and a leg- and supposedly Lars von Trier made them actually have sex on camera, but I don't know if that's true. Um, but it's certainly the kind of thing that Shire would have gone for, regardless of that tidbit of misinformation. Mm-hmm. That kind of film... I think he would have he's a bit of a student of film and I think if Lars von Trier he got a whiff of him making a movie or if Lars von Trier came to him and was like hey I'm doing a movie about sex he'd be like I'm in yeah right right do it, he'd do it for free yeah yeah <laughs> it's interesting um, you were saying a while ago sorry to circle back to something you've already talked about but the the word redemption is it was interesting to me because I read an interview on uh, genmedia.com with um, Jeffrey LaBeouf, Shire's dad, um, after the film had come out. And he's obviously never shies away from the opportunity to talk. Apparently, the the, the uh, journalist who sent him a Facebook message said, hey, do you want to do an interview? And he was like, yep. And they were like Skyping or whatever that same day and off it goes. But um, they te- uh, Jeffrey LaBeouf talks about uh, redemption. Or to be actually, to be more accurate, he uses the word reparation. Right both in terms of what this movie is and him and Shire's relationship in real life. Um, he loves the word reparations. I think he's quite a spiritual mm-hmm. um, sort of, and a religious man. He's been through programs and yeah. Yeah, in and out. Yeah, across in the movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he likes the word reparations. So he tells, it goes on for a bit and then the interviewer says, do you mean redemption? To which he says... He laughs and says, if you have a flat tyre, you're going to repair that tyre before you go anywhere. That's reparation. That's what Shire and I have gone through in our relationship. Redemption, that's between me and God. And I don't think there's anything I can do personally on this planet that's going to cause any sins to go away. So redemption is an interesting question around this film because if Jeff LaBeouf wanted any form of redemption, if we use our word, he had no outlet for it in the wider, in the to the wider world. Whereas Shire, well, I guess I have a question: Is this movie an opportunity for Shire to redeem himself, or is it was it an exercise in redeeming his dad? 
Or both. Or neither. I don't know. Mm. I would say, and this is where my frustration comes in, it's both. Because the point of the movie ultimately is not becoming the monster that your your parents were or tried to make you to be. And it's trying to escape that loop of my... Um, my grandfather was an alcoholic. My father was an alcoholic and I am an alcoholic. And uh, my grandfather was a toxic, abusive person. So my father was an abusive, toxic person. So I am an abusive, toxic person. And the what I see is, and what the, I think the point of the, the father that he plays is, his father never had the opportunity to be anything other than the man that he had become right even by the time he started by the time he became sober uh he was a convicted felon so he couldn't get a job um he was stuck in his ways suffering in a, a relationship that well he lost his relationship he lost his marriage the only thing that he had was a son that had independently become successful and that he could latch himself onto Right. And his father is interestingly portrayed as a victim of circumstance in the movie. Undoubtedly, he's a monster, but he's a victim of circumstance. And his son is a victim of him. But his father never had the opportunity to redeem himself in the way that Shia LaBeouf has had. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm driving at. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And that's kind of what this movie is, is they say, oh, it's not just an exercise in therapy. And it's not, right? It is, an, it is you know, an amazing movie. It's a piece of art all on its own. But this is something that very, very few people have ever had the chance to do, is this encapsulation of, uh, of yourself and your life and your subconscious and everything else. Um... And so now that I've seen this, who do I feel more sympathetic towards, I think is the question. And uh, it's difficult to say now. Because in the movie, I feel sympathetic towards Shia LaBeouf, right? To the, 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 the child to Otis, right? The, to, not to the performance by Shia LaBeouf. You feel sympathetic towards the child because all he wants is his father to love him. But his father is incapable of like holding his hand is the example yeah. that they give right it's a really powerful he just wants to hold his father's hand but he's, he's he can't do it right his father he just can't do it and he gives he gives a cross like oh i don't pe want people to think i'm a pedophile he calls him like chicken hawk or something like that i don't want people to think i'm a chicken hawk but his father is incapable of of giving what his son needs whereas shire is very capable of that kind of that level of empathy because that's what the whole thing is about um so who is it about redeeming mm. i don't think it's about redeeming his father it's about understanding a broken person and the movie does a great job of that and his father is searching for a redemption that he can't reach um but do I kind of believe that Shia LaBeouf should be able to reach his own redemption given everything that the world has given him? Like, granted, plus the trauma and, you know, everything mm. we see in the movie. Um, yeah, I wish he could 
kind of get his shit together because it's not just him that suffers from it right yeah and and if it was him that was suffering i would have sympathy for it i would have i would have sympathy for him but the fact that he's hurting other people and that it's one of the actresses in this movie and that it was in such a, a personal way um yeah it does it does affect how i view the movie and how i view his story within the movie as well um yeah i i I don't know where to where to go from there (laughs) with with the podcast and with with you know my thoughts on shia labeouf as well himself um sure i was gonna say i feel i feel betrayed by the movie in a way oh because the it is so beautiful and it's so well done and it's so well created that I want my heart to be open to this person. But the person who did open their heart to him was abused. And so I feel like I've been tricked into opening myself up to understanding someone who hurts the people that are closest to them in such an extreme way and um, if I didn't know the news about Shia LaBeouf and FKA Twigs and if it wasn't FKA Twigs if it was somebody else then maybe I would feel different even though the same thing happened right but it's all too close it's all too entwined like you said earlier on it's a web it's all too entwined together with what the movie is trying to show you and then his future girlfriend is fucking in the movie right so it's yeah. like it's a movie about reality that then becomes reality that is then corrupted and it's like a feedback loop it's like an echo chamber um that's nice nice imagery yeah uh, there aren't any other movies like that so that i can think of no uh, you know like they, they said oh maybe in the new matrix film um it's going to be about the actor keanu reeves finding out that actually he's in the matrix and he's neo and he's passed on to the next level of the matrix which is him as actor keanu reeves and then it's all <laughs> going to be another it's like what what the people have theorized about it um and like that's like a dumb version of what this has become <laughs> yeah. right like if, if that is the story of the matrix 4 i'd be like honey boy did it better <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely I'd be sh- I'd be surprised if they go down go down that route, that's for sure. Uh, well, let's move yeah. on to the next bit of the podcast, I think. <laughs> which is um, maybe the bit that I dread the most. Yeah, how much of your you and your relationship with your father do you see in this movie? The the actual relationship between a a son and his father. If I was the son mm-hmm. in that dynamic. Very, nothing which is good because I did I didn't grow up in that kind of dynamic at all uh, nothing ever ever happened to me <laughs> anything close to that I did not have an abusive um, childhood so I, I'm thankful and, and grateful for that but there's there's something about the the Lucas Hedges Shire uh, or Otis in the movie mm-hmm. that um, kind of it did it spoke to me and kind of worried me a bit because there's someone who's has real 
real damage. Um, and I feel like I've got a much smaller version of something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that I suppose I worry that I could have gone that way with my own mental health issues in terms of violence or alcoholism those kind of very destructive things which very much aren't in my nature so even at my most cracked i would never that's just not in me at all but there I suppose there's just this question of how far would i have to be pushed for that to become real so i think just in terms of a sort of a mental health kind of thing i uh was I don't know, worried, a little bit anxious about it. Um, but I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, I, I think maybe I, I, maybe a... I romanticised it a little bit, you know, if does that make sense? Like, um, I like I like the idea of going to a place like rehab and dedicating all of your time to your well-being, mental and physically. I really think that would be great for anybody. Uh, if you if anyone's had you know suffered a little bit with these kind of things or the greatest things like court mandated rehab like Shire went through, I think that would be for this for like this generation who seem kind of our generation I suppose which are kind of detached from any other generation that's passed because we've come through this upheaval in in technology and changes in society that I think in previous generations have taken decades or centuries to happen we've gone through just in our lifetimes we've gone through a bunch of them and i think it's really hard to stay grounded and stay um involved and invested in humanity and stuff um so yeah, i think it'd be great if everyone could have an opportunity just to go and go to a place that's about peace and calm and just being present and uh being yeah kind of removed from technology and just being re-engaged with with people and ourselves i think that would be great and i think i would i would benefit from that yes yeah i i think my my feelings are somewhat similar because um i don't see any of my my father and in, in their relationship thank god um but those maybe this is part of my frustration with the movie and with with shia labeouf himself is that I can see echoes of my, of my behaviour within the self-destructive actions that the character takes. And um, that idea that, uh, yes, that I can reach a point where that is no longer the case is, I think, is something that we all, we all strive to, right? We all want to be better people. And if we have problems in our relationships, we all say... I'll, I'll be better, right? I'll change, I'll make changes. And one of the great fallacies in our lives is we, we have a problem in our relationship and we say, oh, I'll be better, right? But we try and then we fall back into old patterns. And that is kind of what the father, you know, the father character played by Shia LaBeouf is all about, right? It's this, um, he says he's going to try and be better and he tries to be better, but ultimately he can't change the person that the world has made him. Um... And I guess that's part of what we're seeing with Shia LaBeouf himself, is that even though he's been given this unique opportunity in which to exercise those demons, 
he's still unable you know this hasn't changed him as a fundamentally as a person he's still gone back to being that oh i'm i'm sorry i hurt everyone closest to me well you just made a movie exactly you know you you were given your chance to literally in your performance to become a better you know to lose that part of yourself to become some to become somebody else and maybe you can't maybe it's not possible for us to become other people and that is maybe part of the example that i'm i'm taking away from this um yeah is like um maybe yeah, maybe we can maybe we can try we can always try to be better and we can always do our best to not hurt the people that we love and to um but but can we change who we are um and honey boy the movie would suggest possibly but honey boy the reality suggests no for the moment and again maybe you know as we as you were saying that the story isn't finished uh, he you know, he, he he as all of us are ever-evolving tapestries. And the beauty of the movie is that it finishes. Whereas, you know, for us it doesn't finish until the great beyond, right? Until Or until Thanos turns up and snaps his fingers. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Can... Uh, how, the, how the reality of the movie makes me feel about it tinges my, my view of the movie. Um... And his his own redemption talks to my own, you know, how I feel about wanting to change things in my life. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to end up feeling like I'm that kind of person that has the chance to get rid of, you know, who can go to therapy or go to counselling or try to become a better person. And then when somebody opens up to me, it just, you know, the whole thing repeats again. I don't want to be like that for the rest of my life. Yeah, and, no, I wouldn't. No. There's... Um... That bit at the the end of the movie where we talked about before, where Lucas Hedges' age, um, Otis, in kind of a, a dream or imaginary state, goes back to the motel where yes. he spent time as a child and gets face to face with his dad again, who's in his whole like um, clown rodeo clown makeup thing, um, and they sit, and uh, James Shire's the buff's character says, "Nobody's mad at me anymore." And that's all I really wanted. Mm-hmm. And he seems like he seems quite happy and content in this, this version of of um, of his dad. And that, that's that's kind of just was brought back to mind by by what you were saying there. It's just what what it what it takes for people to be okay is is different. And yeah. sometimes it's not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But I am mad at Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think he's definitely. Deserving of some uh, some outrage, yeah. At the moment, and I wasn't mad at him before today, right? I didn't even think about him, and now we watch this movie. I'm fucking furious at him because he made me care. <laughs> he made me care, and that's the problem with with uh, opening empathy, right? Is the moment you open up empathy, you don't just open up the opportunity for love. Like it's why being a Jedi is the only way, as we've discussed before. Right? <laughs> the minute love leads to fear and fear leads to anger and anger leads to hate and the minute that you open up these doors of of empathy 
if you don't act in a way deserving of empathy, then you've twisted me to the dark side. And that's how I feel at the moment. I'm on the, du- I'm on the, sh- the dark side of Shia LaBeouf. I'm going to send him a message with my Darth Vader. <laughs> Shia. <laughs> I'm not your father. You were your father in that movie that I saw. <laughs> it was good. It was a good movie, Shia. Uh, did um before we finish did you did you read about the sort of Mel Gibson I mentioned Mel Gibson earlier mm. but did you hear uh, read about the anecdote kind of involving Mel Gibson in this movie no did did he wear Shia LaBeouf like a beaver sock puppet <laughs> see that would be a great sequel to the beaver which I also thought was a pretty good movie uh, yeah. but that was it's good I, I suggest to watch that um but is the uh, beaver yeah, his so, son <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah when uh, so Shire's in rehab and he's writing sort of a script for what will turn out to be Honey Boy as part of his um, rehabilitation and at this point he hasn't spoken to his dad in seven years they're completely estranged Um, but when he gets out and you know he's already sent his script off to um, to the director uh, Alma Harrell and he says hey I says to his dad hey I want to make a movie about you but um at that point he's also sent the script off to mel gibson who i presume is a, a friend or at least someone he has contact with and says and says to mel gibson i'd like you to play my dad mel gibson passes on it um but when uh shire goes to see his dad um he says hey uh i want to make a movie about you and mel gibson's going to play you and it turns out that jeff labeouf is a huge mel gibson fan and so he was like, oh, sure. So then Shire puts the contract on the table that sits, uh, signs away his his rights for the movie under the auspices of that. He's going to be played by Mel Gibson. And then he has to go back to him later and be like, yeah, he, uh, Mel Gibson's not doing it. I'm playing you instead. And I would have, I would have, uh, that would have been an interesting conversation to be a for, fly on the wall for, for someone who is so competitive with their son, for their son to say, your, your screen icon is going to play you. And then, oh, wait, no, he's not. I'm going to play I you. Am. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That must have been. Uh, that must have been something. Yeah. That would have been sweet. All right. Next week, let's do something a little bit more clear cut. Because <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's been good to delve into something uh, that wasn't so. But yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, something this, a bit more again, upbeat and lighthearted. Again, Honey Boy. Fucking great movie. So well written. So well acted so well directed but this is one of those films where i can't separate him from the movie and you shouldn't because it's fucking the movie is even stevens right <laughs> they, they took they took scene for scene some of those shots from even stevens i watched a youtube video of like which bits in honey boy were actually from the tv show even a lot a lot of it yeah. was so we're not supposed to separate it and when uh, it's a movie about fallible people being fallible and ultimately he's too fallible for my empathy so next next time we're doing summarized yeah we're doing lion king 2 simba's pride (laughs) (laughs) classic i've never seen it so we'll uh we'll have to add it to the list i guess (laughs) which episode is this do you remember which episode number this is I don't know, 17 maybe? 
I think it might be it might be after sixteen. Right, let me let me Google. I don't Google know, we're, we're so we're so prolific. Yeah, you know, they, we just churn them, we churn them out. The first four episodes took us about six months to a year to do, yeah. and then since we've come back, it's been yeah. a whole other story. Well, this is episode nineteen, which means fuck next, really. Yeah, next time will be episode twenty, which means we've got to do Gorsh. something. We've got to do something big for episode twenty. Well, this will take some brainstorming then. Yes. All right. If you guys have any recommendations for what you'd like to see us do for episode twenty, if you made it this far, Shia LaBeouf, he's he's been, he's been listening. Has he? Hi, Shia, big fan. Yeah, and hopefully oh. FKA Twigs, my local West Country girl, has has been listening. Uh, FKA Twigs, I haven't listened to any of your music, but I your acting was great in this movie, and I love that you're from the West Country, so I'm going to go and listen to your music now. Um, and yeah, let us know what you want, want us to do next time, FKA Twigs. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do whatever FKA Twigs asks us to do. That's a, that's a promise. FKA Twigs tweet me and let me know what you, what you I, I, I don't know you, it's, really, it's, re- it. it's really hot in here <laughs> it's like she's in the room and you're trying to ask her out and suddenly you... oh, oh no remember she's from Cheltenham she's from Cheltenham <laughs> is that posh though that's where like, the races are yeah yeah, a little bit but I'm, I've got my hat I've got my cap that I've been you've wearing you've got your Guy Ritchie cap on right yeah. now yeah. yeah this is what they what you wear to the races so it's all yeah. right yeah. And a tweed uh, three-piece suit, and drink some David Beckham whiskey. Hey Club, whatever that is. Oh, anyone can hear rustling? It's because Dom is diving into the cupboard behind him. He's sliding on a suit jacket. Okay, okay. This is my FKA Twigs asking on a date attire. <laughs> is your Chromeo uh, Beirut T-shirt kind of a, a icebreaker? Yeah, I feel like she'll be like, oh, I love Chromeo. And I'll be like, I knew you did, FKA Twigs. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I haven't listened to your music yet, but I knew you'd like Chromeo. You look very dapper. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to, to all of this. Oh, yeah, shit, we're still recording. <laughs> we haven't wrapped up yet. And we'll see you next week on another episode of Daddy Issues. Bye. Peace.